This episode is sponsored by Assembly Label. This is Highly Enthused, a shortcut to things worth consuming, presented by two women named Sophie who spend too long on the internet. I'm Sophie Roberts. And I'm Sophie McComas. Hello, sunshine. Hello. How are ya? Good. I'm very good. It was sunny today. Hopefully it's still sunny by the time this airs. No, whoops. Weird pre-recording land, but you know, it's so good while it's here. I'm just lapping it up. Spring is on the way. I thrust my face into a jasmine bush today and I almost wept with joy. So it's my favorite time of year. It just is so joy inducing spring. You're just like, look at all the flowers. I forgot about flowers. And like (laughs) every single year it gets like to this time and there's a really beautiful day and my mood lifts 20 points. And I'm like, oh, I've been depressed. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Once again. Seasonal affective disorder has lifted. Yeah, you could never move to London. It wouldn't. It wouldn't work. <laughs> no, cannot handle it. But we've got other things to be excited about today, don't we? Not just sunshine and jasmine. We do. We are so excited to release the next batch of highly enthused merch, which is on our website highlyenthused.com today. The latest drop is an ultra soft, lightweight, long sleeve top this time. Last drop we had a Mm t-shirt. Now we've gone long sleeve for this like nice little sexy shoulder season that we're in. They have been custom tie-dyed for us, which is oh so on trend. (laughs) In a beautiful neutral cream. I would like to call this tie-dye like latte colored. Yes. Cafe lait. Yep, and I feel like that colour actually looks really good on everyone. Like it's not too intense. It's just like slips into your neutral wardrobe very easily, but it's got that like (laughs) tie-dye extraness to it. A little bit Um, of zany. Yeah, a little bit of zaniness. We've got highly enthused, subtly embroidered on the front. You will love them. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your bestie. You guys down in Melbourne who have a listening club to listen to the podcast, <laughs> you all need one. Everyone needs one. Our last batch of T-shirts sold out. So head to highlyenthused.com to get yours. I'm wearing mine right now. I am also wearing mine right now. <laughs> it's so good. This so soft. They're so soft. They're perfect to throw on. I'd feel like after a day in the sun, if it's been warm and then that chill comes into the air, it's great for that. Um, Just a great working from home outfit. Great for drinking iced coffee and thrusting your face into a jasmine bush. They're just an all season top, you know? (laughs) I love that. Yay. Okay. (laughs) What about your eating schedule for this episode, Sophie? What have you been eating? All right. So this recipe is an oldie, but a goodie. And it's from one of my favorite now defunct food blogs, Orange Jet, which was written by one of your favorite writers, the memoirist and food writer, Molly Weisenberg. So I think this is how we both discovered her originally was her blog that ran for many years. But this is her recipe for falafel spiced meatballs, which just sounds delightful anyway, (laughs) as a concept. I used to actually make this way back when I lived in a share house. Like it's been in my repertoire for quite a few years now, but 
I haven't cooked it for a while, partially because I've just been trying to eat less meat, but we had friends over this weekend and it just kind of popped into my head as it's kind of perfect for this transitional season. It's not too heavy, but still really like filling. And I also decided it would be like the perfect prep ahead, low effort meal that you could just like gracefully whip out of the oven. And it looks like you've really worked hard, but it really wasn't very difficult at all. (laughs) And they also came over with their two kids and I thought it would be vaguely kid-friendly, though they the kids just ate all our snacks and didn't eat the meatballs. So, you know, we had leftovers. <laughs> I'm not offended. I'd never take it personally if a kid doesn't want to eat my food and just eats the chips instead. That would be my MO as a child. Mm-hmm. So they're very easy. Um, they're actually made with lamb mints, which I love. It's, you know, a little bit of a, I personally find a more interesting flavor than beef. And then you add toasted sesame seeds as well, which kind of gives you that lovely squeaky crunch between your teeth. And then it's flavored like the name suggests with these falafel-esque Middle Eastern seasonings. So all the sort of usual suspects are there, minced garlic, ground cumin and coriander, our favorite Aleppo pepper and some chili flakes. I also added in a little bit of sumac because I had like the dregs of a jar floating around in the cupboard. You add an egg and some breadcrumbs to help bind them. I just use panko because it's what I had. And then you have to kind of, if you're a bit squeamish around raw meat, you might have to overcome this. Um, You mix it all together by hand and then roll them out by hand as well. And I She recommends like a golf ball size. I actually like making them a little bit smaller because I think they're a bit more, um, they cook faster, though it Mm -hmm. is easier to make sure they stay juicy if you make them bigger. But really do them whatever size you want. I do like about a little bit smaller than a ping pong ball. Then just put them on a tray, drizzle them with a little olive oil and bake them for about 18 to 20 minutes and they're done. Like it's so fast and you can mix the stuff. I mixed up the uh, the meatball mixture beforehand like I had to do something during the day and I just came back and rolled them out before I wanted to put them in the oven so like your active time for actually making this dish is really low most of the work happens in the oven yum I never bake meatballs and I feel like this is where I trip up with meatballs because I try mm. to like pan fry them and they always yep. just break or stick and it's super annoying yeah so apparently molly got this recipe from the first smitten kitchen cookbook where she recommends pan frying them and then baking them and molly's like you can do that but you also don't have to do that and this is way easier and i've never bothered to pan fry them and they're always tasty Mm. um and it's so much faster and so easy to clean up because you just like take the baking paper off and throw it away (laughs) delicious oh i'm definitely gonna try this falafel spices sounds very up my alley very keen really good oh it's such a trip down memory lane like going back onto her blog look at her face i know this blog i was feeling really fancy so i made like a homemade tzatziki and this like lavish chopped fresh salad with heaps of vegetables and like 60 dollars worth of herbs and like pita bread but I've made it at home before, like for a weeknight dinner and just like loosened up some tahini with some garlic and lemon juice and done a few slices of tomatoes and cucumbers and like pickled chilies and in a pita. And that's like a, such a good weeknight meal or like a, the leftovers are great for a work from home lunch as well. So yeah, that's, mm. that's what I've been cooking and it's been delicious. A nice little flashback. I'm definitely bookmarking that. Delicious. Thank you. You're welcome. What about you? What have you eaten Well, I wanted to shout out to one of the most original restaurants in Sydney right now, I reckon, Bubba's Place in Marrickville. Have you been there yet? No, I have tried to be there so many times and it's just like like COVID cancelled and then like 
I need to go. Okay. I'm desperate to go. Take me, please. Locking it in. So it's this giant, it's in a giant warehouse in Marrickville, which is where I live. So I'm a little bit biased, but I was recommending, I was recommending a bunch of Marrickville locations to visit to someone the other day. And I, I was like, no, Bubba's place is the one place you should really, 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 really go if you're not from here because it's so original. Like you just feel like you've stepped into this awesome alternate universe. So it's in a giant warehouse opposite a chicken factory on the most like mundane, nondescript street in the back streets of Marrickville. There's like nothing else of note on the street. You step through a door and in summer the big roller door to the the warehouse is wide open, which is cool. But in winter it's all kind of shut, so you just step through this little doorway and you enter this big kind of like cavernous yet warm replica of a Lebanese grandparents' house. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There are like rugs like hung up on the walls and hanging down, family portraits all on the walls. There's like lace table covers on the tables like topped with a sheet of plastic like you'd find in a grandparents' home to like keep the furniture in good nick. This Arabic music kind of pumping through the speakers, people drinking Reiki, there's a Lebanese pet gnat. It's just like so cool and interesting and different, like it really refreshing. I just loved every minute of it. I've been a few times now. And the food takes inspiration from a lot of places. They have this thick cut like pan style toast topped with this big fat squiggle of taramasalada with a black sesame, praline, whey pickle and bataga, like this like a super salty mm. kind of sweet, crunchy, creamy. Oh, my God, it's insane. They, I don't think they have this dish on anymore, but they used to have this like bonkers dish which was called bouillabaisse bolognese and it had thick cut noodles, kind of like biang biang noodles mm. um, with a ragu of like prawns and lamb like prawns and lamb is not a combo that you have very often but this was so yum and they had like slivers of cucumber kind of like you'd find in Sichuan noodles the chicken like this big roast chicken is glazed with this garlic crack caramel which they bottled and sold during lockdown the the garlic crack caramel oh my god so delicious It's just really hard to fault this place. I love it. It's so fun. The service is really great. It's loud. It's like raucous. Go with a big group. Order like interesting spirits, wine. Yeah, stay all night. So fun. That's Bubba's Place in Marrickville, the coolest suburb of Sydney. Take me. I want to go. I will. I will. I will. When you get back from your holiday, I'll take you. Okay, something to look forward to. All right, read, watch, listen. What's going on? (laughs) Sophie, are you in need of a movie that feels like an amusement park ride? Yes. (laughs) Stressful. (laughs) Okay, so we all know of my enduring love for Nicolas Cage. Thanks Mm -hmm. to our Nick Cage movie club that some friends and I had uh, to make it through lockdown which really felt like it was such an arbitrary choice picking Nick Cage and it just felt like we unlocked a whole alternate universe of him Um, and I've never been the same since since that happened. But he's actually been making some movies recently, old Nick Cage. He's not just a man of classic cinema, he's a man of the moment. Uh, And earlier this year I went and saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is one of his more recent films. 
and I saw it with all, most of my friends from that Nick Cage fan club. And honestly, it was like a perfect film going experience. We ate our weight in Maltesers and drank a huge glass of red wine. And I honestly said out loud, this is a perfect movie multiple times in the cinema <laughs> in screening because I've forgotten how to be in public uh, at this time. It's just the most low stakes, high budget movie with Nick Cage just pulling out all the stops. So I think it's only available to pay to rent on Google Play and iTunes at the moment. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere, but it is worth $4.99. I promise you, you will not regret purchasing this movie to watch. The premise is very meta. Nicolas Cage plays a version of himself, Nick Cage. (laughs) Very important to remember the distinction. Mm -hmm. And basically he's kind of like a bit down and out, you know, is not, you know, not, doing great movies, not really making a lot of money anymore. And he, you know, is on the out with his ex-wife and his kid sort of isn't very interested and thinks he's a bit of a loser. He owes a lot of money to the IRS. And basically his agent comes to him and goes, hey, you've got this super fan, this guy in Mallorca, and he wants you to come to this party. And Nick's very skeptical of it. And then the guy's like, he will pay you a million dollars to go to this party. And he's like, I'm in. (laughs) I can go to a party for a million dollars. And from there, it turns out the super fan is both an aspiring screenwriter who wants Nick to star in his movie and also apparently a notorious arms dealer. And so it just like all unfolds from there. Like the plot is so ludicrous and campy. At one point, Nicolas Cage is recruited by the FBI to be an agent for them at the party, but he's like playing himself, playing it's I can't what the hell it's so stupid it's so stupid it's so great there's like multiple moments like in any good Nick Cage film where you can't tell if he's in on the joke or if he's just seriously like that it's just and that's honestly the hallmark of every good Nicolas Cage movie it's also set in Mallorca funnily enough was filmed in Croatia Um, so the scenery is also just like stunningly beautiful European coastline and lavish houses and ridiculous boats and cars so it's just like escapist fluffy hilarious amazing cinema it is a masterpiece five stars amazing I'm definitely gonna rent that five stars for every Nick Cage movie ever every time no not every some of them are travesties but that is all part of the mystery of Nicolas Cage really <laughs> um, I recommend being at least two drinks in before the movie starts that's my only caveat <laughs> okay good advice good advice <laughs> Amazing. all right what about you Okay, I have been watching a British drama that has been out for three seasons now, but someone recommended it and I've been, yeah, really into season one I'm where I'm at so far. It's called The Split on Stan. So it's about a family of divorce lawyers. Their family has been <laughs> in this business for like, I know, what a premise. The family's been in the business for years, like since 1850, like generations. <laughs> something like that. And it's run by the matriarch of the family who's this like really bolshy, you know, kind of awesome, very powerful woman. Well, powerful to herself, I think. (laughs) Um, And her three daughters, two of them are lawyers within the business. And there's something just about divorce law, like constantly seeing these marriages break up every single day, like really high profile people, like really messy, ugly divorces. And then just like going home to your own marriage, like some of these characters, 
they work all day in these spiky divorces and they go home and they're in their own family. And like, I just can't imagine what that would be like. Like, how would you operate like normally within your own marriage, like having that as a career? Anyway, it really centers on one of the daughters in particular. Well, yeah, I guess she's one of the main characters. She actually breaks away from the family firm, goes to another firm, and her own marriage kind of starts to come apart at the seams. It's dramatic and tense and funny and still a bit sexy, and I just really, really am into it. And the actress, Nicola Walker, I haven't I haven't seen her in anything that I can remember. She plays Hannah, one of the sisters, and her eyes are just like, they're like, otherworldly eyes that is like ice blue and you just cannot like tear your eyes away from her face like she's so mesmerizing so yeah it's pretty messy and like you know lots of twists and turns but I'm really into it it's something that you can uh, start and know there's three seasons ahead of you which is always nice so that is the split on Stan and I think season three is on ABC iview great and now do and buy what have you bought this week or done? <laughs> oh, wait, you haven't bought. You've done. Nice. I haven't bought. I've done, guys. This I saw this play last night. This wreck is hot off the press. Hot, hot, hot. hot. Uh, so I went and saw The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which has been put on by the Sydney Theatre Company. So good. It's a staging of the Victorian novella of the same name, which I feel like everyone is at least vaguely familiar with. Like, I don't know if I need to explain the premise. And for Jekyll a second, and I was Hyde? Like, yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. For a second, I was like, ooh, what if I give spoilers? But it literally came out in like the 1860s. So I feel like the time has passed for a spoiler warning. But the Sydney Theatre Company uh, director, Kip Williams, who is pretty phenomenal uh, artistic director and, and director of, of the play, he's reconceived and staged it using the most incredible combination of pre-recorded video footage, live filming, actors on stage, and the most just incredible sets. He's really well known for his recent staging of The Portrait of Dorian Gray, which is was in Sydney earlier this year and is now showing in Melbourne at the moment. If you're in Melbourne, it is so sensational. Get tickets for that if you can. And so he's taken a pretty similar approach to how he's done Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And honestly, I'm not a big theatre person. Like I probably go to maybe one or two plays a year. Like it's just not something I do very often. But his shows are unlike any other I've seen. They're just so immersive. He uses really small casts. So this only has two actors in it. And in Dorian Gray, there's only one actress playing like 26 characters. And they act out the entire cast throughout the whole whole production and honestly, even though there's only two like speaking parts or two speaking roles, the stagehands are just as much a part of the cast as the ca- actors. Like they come onto the stage and bow at the end and like everyone's cheering for them just as much because the way this staging is done, like it's sort of a big blank stage and then the set is like brought on in pieces and moves around and transforms and is so flexible and evolving. It's it's just 
it's a living thing. Wow, that's so cool. That's such a niche and amazing mm. like talent to stage a set in a unique way. Yeah. Oh my god. When you first watch it, if you haven't seen it, and I went into it seeing Dorian Gray not knowing what to expect, and I literally was just like mouth agape, like how the hell have they done this? It's like a dance. The camera will be following the actor around and you'll watch a stagehand tracks underneath where the camera can see and like pops up and moves something, like another piece of the set so it's in the right place for when the actor sits down, but they can't be seen by the camera. It's it's amazing. It's just an absolute feat. Um, of staging in every single way and so this play was just as striking some of the the actual visuals of how they they used all these elements were just so incredible and and really like nothing I've seen even having seen Dorian Gray I still felt it was a totally totally unique experience and it's it's showing now I think it will probably tour as well so hopefully people in Melbourne will get a chance to see it too but yeah that is the strange case of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde even if you're not a theatre person, go and see it. You will. It's amazing. Mm, sounds so good. Seriously. Okay. What about you? What have you bought or done? Which one did you do this week? Okay. I am recommending an online art shop which lists Ooh. paintings from an Indigenous artistic community near Alice Springs called um, Bloodowitch. I think I'm getting that pronunciation right. There are about 60 artists listed on the website most with just a couple of paintings each for sale and they're just so beautiful and really intricate some of them are quite small like it's not like you're getting a huge you know giant giant piece like some of them are just really small and intricate they are really bright and some have kind of like childlike depictions of things like trucks Um, but most pay homage to traditional bush medicine so lots of plants are depicted in most of them lots of trees and bushes and flowers and that's so important to recognize because you know bush medicine is something so linked to traditional aboriginal culture here and so purchasing art from from the artists of um, blood witch really supports that storytelling and cementing of this really precious piece of aboriginal history and knowledge they, there's a really big range of price. Like they, they only started around $400, which I think for for a work this intricate is extremely <laughs> good value. Yeah. They go up to, you know, a couple of thousand, not much more than that. Yeah, so if you're looking for a new piece, I would really, really recommend checking them out and following them on Instagram because they post like new works that come up all the time. And there is like an overarching style, I guess, from this community, which makes, you know, that it's so unique. But it's really hard to choose which one you want because they're all so beautiful. And it's one of the, they're kind of those paintings that you just can't stop looking at. Like every time you look at it, you find a new detail in it that you you really like. It's yeah, just, so it's really cool. It's a very dangerous website. I clicked on and I was like, ooh, ooh, oh, oh no. I know they're so <laughs> nice, aren't they? They're gorgeous. So that is the Artists of um, Bloodowitch website. We'll link to it in our newsletter, which is highlyenthused.substack.com. We are so excited to have partnered with one of our favourite Australian brands on the last two episodes of this season. Keen listeners will remember we've mentioned Assembly Label before, and in particular for me, their incredible affordable denim range. They are actually the only jeans I've purchased more than once. The new Assembly Label Spring Collection has just landed in stores ready for this glorious uptick in temperature. 
There are minimalist linen dresses, roomy shirts, and a number of pieces made from delicious silk dropping all through spring. Personally, I spent most of last summer living in one of their oversized cotton shirts. It was perfect for throwing over my swimmers or over my jeans. Just absolutely couldn't get enough of it. Yes, me too. Enter the code HIGHLYENTHUSED15 at checkout for 15% off your online order at assemblylabel.com until the end of October and DM us what you buy. We want to see what you buy. We want to see it all. We want to see it. (laughs) Thank you so much to Assembly Label. What time is it? It's the Fast Five. Fast Five. Let's shake things up. I'm going to go first. Okay, okay, okay. So number one is a Melbourne wreck that everyone in Melbourne probably knows about, or if they don't, they should. So everyone definitely knows about Loon, which is the incredible croissanterie, which has multiple locations, soon to have a Sydney location. But the lines are still very long (laughs) for Loon. Honestly, you go to the city in Melbourne and you're like, oh, what's everyone lining up for? And you're like, oh, it's croissants. Yep, that's Loon. (laughs) But they actually have another small business which started in 2020 called Moon Crueler and they just have one location. It's in Fitzroy, but they make a sort of donut called a Crueler and it's a ring of deep fried shoe pastry. So a lot kind of richer than a donut dough. And then they glaze it after that. So far out. They are just so good and so intense. They are like really, really, really crisp on the outside. And then like against your tooth, as you bite into it, they just completely give way to this like custody inside. Like it was almost insane. I was like, oh my God, this just shattered in my mouth. Like, I think that's why they have to be in rings. So they maintain some kind of like structural integrity. Like if they weren't in a ring, they'd probably explode or like just melt onto the floor. Uh, but yeah, if you can't be effed with the loon line, I mean, it's worth it, but just go to Moon Crueler in Fitzroy and yeah, give yourself a very intense, very delicious little snack. I liked the plain like cinnamon, mm. cinnamon sugar one, but I don't know. There's lots of yum, yum glazes. Raspberry light might be delicious. So yeah, that's Moon Crueler. The next one is a TV show called The Twelve on Binge. I've seen a lot of ads for this. Yeah, it's an Australian drama and honestly anything with Sam Neill on it, I'm like, yep, I'm there. Yep, love him. Love you. Love Sam Neill. (laughs) But it's a bit of a, you know, big beefy cast of Australian faces. There's Melissa George in there. haven't seen her in anything for a while. Brendan Cowell. And it's a bit of a slow burn. It focuses on the kind of supposed or alleged murder of a teen by her kind of darkly scented artist aunt. The aunt makes lots of art around death and, like, you know, very dark stuff. The show focuses on the jury at the trial of the aunt and how each juror's lives, kind of their own relationships and circumstances, play into this perception of of the case. And just really, like, how intense it – I've never done jury duty, but, like, how intense it must be, you know, for 12 weeks in a jury room with just a bunch of strangers, (laughs) you know, deciding someone's fate, like, that's another layer of stress, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. It can be a bit like lame. Like, you know, when you're like, stop trying so hard, like a bit overwrought in, in Australian dramas sometimes, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still watching it. Like I'm still hooked. Like I still can't stop watching it every week and I would still recommend it. (laughs) So that is the 12 on binge. 
Number three is a snack, a fun snack. So the next time you're invited somewhere where you have to like bring a plate, Mm -hmm. like a baby shower or some kind of picnic, I feel like this is a snack you should bring. They're essentially rice crispy snacks or like rice bubble bars (laughs) that you make. I think like a lot of those that are supermarket versions have lots of weird chemicals in them. But if you make them yourself, they only have like three ingredients, which are you melt down a whole bunch of butter and brown it in a pan. So it's like yum, brown, brown, nutty butter. Can't go wrong there. Can't go wrong. You're on a, on the great first foot of this recipe already. <laughs> you add a bunch of marshmallows, like a whole bag of marshmallows yes. over that heat. They kind of melt into a marshmallowy brown butter soup. <laughs> <laughs> you pour this mixture over half a box of Cocoa Pops in a bowl, which is at this point so sticky. Like it's like crazy sticky. You just have to like stir it to make sure it's all combined then you press this super sticky mix into like a shallow rectangular baking dish and let it set for a little while like you know 15 minutes or something in the fridge you dust the whole thing in cocoa powder remove it from the tray and then cut it up into slices it's like this really crunchy chocolatey nutty just delicious bar (laughs) I'm having full-blown flashbacks to childhood, except the dusting in cocoa powder sounds very chic. I do not think they did that for us when we were kids. <laughs> yeah, that adds a like an adult level <laughs> to it. And the recipe that I found this in, which is on FF Zine, which is on Instagram, she's actually like made a tower out of them with some kind of like skewer situation, which oh, wow. is like quite sculptural and fun. Not that I did that, but, you know. There's always next time. And yeah, I feel like everyone is just like, oh my God, I had these when we were kids and they're so yum. And then you'll eat five and you'll just be really happy. So they are chocolate rice crispy treats from FF Zine. We will link to those in the newsletter. Next one is Hot Lux Kimchi Hot Sauce. Oh, this is so good. We have a bottle. Yeah, Hot Luck is such a great like condiment company. Um, they make lots of really cool different kinds of hot saucy, sprinkly things. We have a bottle of this in the fridge at work and it's just awesome on like grilled cheese, goslam, which is my other like lunch hack for the sandwich press at work. Halloumi, pasta, noodles, like whatever you'd put hot sauce on, this kimchi edge, like it's kind of like the kimchi juice you get in a kimchi jar, just like more body to it. Yep more fermenty just like extra funkiness just gives it this extra level of like delicious funk it's very very good that is the hot luck kimchi hot sauce okay my final recommendation is it's a buffet created thing which i know is annoying but um it's a playlist so i feel like you guys will really love it a member of our team has been making playlists for buffet each month and this one's really good. It's called Eating Sleeping. And the subline is it's raining and all you can do is eat porridge. <laughs> it's like a mood for gentle, the moment. Yeah, gentle, sweet, and like, you know, something that you just need to take you out of winter and eat into the light of spring, just a gentle playlist to listen while you work or while you eat porridge in the rain. So we will also link to that. You know where. <laughs> and that's my fast five. Great. How about you? So number one, covetable glassware alert. These are these really amazing drinking glasses made by Kate Mitchell, who is a Kiwi glass blower. The Kiwis are the kings of homewares. 
and she makes them in very small batches. They're these beautiful tumblers, which are just like a classic kind of irregular tumbler shape, but which are covered in all these really beautiful multicolored glass specks. It's hard to describe, I've realized as I was typing this up, but just click on the link in the newsletter and you'll see what we mean. She's got the speckled tumbler, which I think is her original one, which is just like covered in all these different shape and size, gorgeous, like brightly colored, Ooh. multicolored spots. But she also has like this panna cotta tumbler, which has got a more minimal creamy color palette and the glass, um, the colored glass is a bit more like streaky and smeared. So it looks like kind of watercolory and the confetti tumbler, which again is like a bit more of a watercolor kind of effect. And she releases different colorways and styles every now and then. You will need to follow on her Instagram to get alerts because she'll open up her pre-orders periodically. And if you want to snag them, you need to know what you want like before it launches because they sell out so quickly. They're definitely not cheap. I think they're $60, but they are hand-blown and they are perfect for like a really special occasion present. So if you've got someone's wedding coming up or a special birthday, they're just gorgeous and you're supporting a, a small um, a small business and uh, an artisan which is pretty cool, cool. So that's Kate Mitchell Mitchell glassware she also has really fun little fruit earrings which you can find mm. if you click through her website as well they're very very cute my second recommendation in my fast five is a little memoir I actually think you will love this I'll lend it to you when I finally unpack all my books it's called my Salinger year by Joanne Rakoff Yes, I watched the movie of this. It's mm. so good. I loved it. I have not seen the movie, but I have read this and I picked it up on a whim. I think it was like on sale at a random bookshop. And I'll be honest, the premise and the cover didn't really like promise that much, but I read a couple of pages of it and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, it's a memoir written by this woman, Joanne Rakoff, who actually worked for J.D. Salinger's literary agent. So that's the the author who wrote uh, Catcher in the Rye. And she worked there just after she finished college in the 90s. And it's kind of, I was sort of thinking about this today and trying to just figure out how to describe why I liked it. And I think it really comes down to this combination of Rakoff's actual like voice and tone. She's just got a really unique way of of writing and she she reminded me a little bit of some of my favorite authors from that time like Laurie Colwyn came to mind even Nora Ephron just really like really well observed and just like really left of center observations and I just found her a really enjoyable company to spend time with I also really loved she captures this time and place that really doesn't exist anymore so even though it's the 90s, the office she works in and the agent she works for refuses to use computers. So she does all her work on typewriter and index cards. Email is like a distant rumor. She lives with this terrible boyfriend in this horrible apartment in Brooklyn that would now cost thousands of dollars a month. Um, and even though the 90s, or at least to me, don't seem that long ago in the scheme of things, the way she writes about them makes you realize like how much closer the 90s were to the 70s and the 50s. <laughs> it's just, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just really charming. It's really lovely. It didn't take me long to read. I think you'll really like it as well. Yeah, I would love to read the book of that. I, I love the movie. So I'll check the movie out and I'll lend you the book. So that's My Salinger <laughs> Year by Joanne Rakoff. So my next one, I've decided if I I have a minor superpower. I think it is finding all of the randomest collection of recipes on the internet. Yes, <laughs> so, this is a superpower of yours. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just really good at putting very bizarre combinations of search terms into Google to find recipes. So 
there is a brand of bougie, well-designed tinned fish called Fishwife in America. They don't ship here. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen it on someone's Instagram. But somehow I stumbled upon the fact that they have this amazing recipe section when I was looking for a recipe for a smoked trout pasta sauce. And they just have a plethora of recipe ideas for like what to do with any tinned and preserved seafood you have, which is really useful because there's actually not that many recipes out there I find for these things everyone's like get sardines and then they're like figure out what to do with them (laughs) we don't know so yeah all sorts of really great recipes there's that smoked trout dish I talked about there's recipes for like smoked salmon rice for cod caesar salad all sorts of really interesting things so if you've got a bunch of tin fish or you're just looking for some new ideas of what to do to cook with that that isn't just like put it on toast or put it in pasta this is the recipe section for you so that is the eat fishwife recipe collection yum they all look so like herby and like green and fresh so at this time very expensive recipes for us combining a cheap fish with an expensive herb (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so my fourth one is a recent discovery of mine born out of my holiday planning and too much time on Instagram, but it is the Instagram guides feature, which is surprisingly hidden within Instagram. Like I feel like you could use it and never notice that it had this feature. Honestly, it's like so weird that they they just like sent it live and they haven't put any like promotional bank behind it (laughs) like it's yeah you stumble across it and it's yeah it's it's so useful so you might notice on some people's instagram profiles they'll have um an option at the top of their feed that looks like a little book and if you tap on that you'll find these things called guides what they do is they let you create these little collections of either places so location sort of tags products or posts and then you can save them those guides once you've created them on your profile so people can click through and you can write I think notes about each individual thing that you save so I found it through like spending a lot of time on the location pages of of venues that I was interested in going on on my my holiday and that's one of the way I discovered them if you click on a location tab and you view it on the map view they'll often have a little link that says see related guides and you can tap on that and then you'll find all these this like totally untapped resource of like really cool little guides that have often been created by locals or by like local sort of location places so like I found all these ones for Madrid and a whole bunch of them had been created by like Spanish language versions of like a broadsheet say like the equivalent for Madrid but you know not created by some international tourists actually created by people who live in Madrid so yeah Mm -hmm. it's just really fun and it feels super under the radar and undiscovered I feel like we should use it for highly enthused and create some and yeah I'm gonna link to this guide I found describing them because I think that's more useful than linking to them in Instagram itself but yeah I found a lot of really interesting stuff in there so that's Instagram guides hidden little feature in Mm. there and then I also have a chili condiment in my fast five because you can never have too many you can never have too many we're just very spiritually aligned I feel so this one is the Mamoya Reyu chili oil. I actually first picked this up really randomly at this little Japanese supermarket in Collingwood in Melbourne, but have since had some luck finding it in like the occasional Asian supermarket. I just keep my eye out for it. It is 
this just like really, really savory, delicious garlic and chili oil. It's got like crispy garlic chips in there and it's very savory. It's definitely got some kick to it, but it's it's not the dominant flavor. It's kind of got more of the chili flavor rather than the heat. I have no idea what's in it that makes it taste so delicious, but it is super addictive, really good on a fried egg. I wish it came in bigger jars because I can eat it very quickly. Um, And I found it on the internet. So I have linked to that as well. So you guys can pick some up for yourself. And that's it. Yum. Delicious. Want to put that over a whole like fried egg on rice. That's Mm. how I eat it basically. (laughs) My diet is like 30% chili oil, I've realized. (laughs) Me too. Me too. <laughs> That's why we're so spicy. So spicy, so spicy. and so oily. Hmm. Yeah, no, metaphor doesn't mm. work. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to say thank you again to Assembly Label for supporting this episode. You can enter the code Highly Enthused15 at checkout for 15% off your online order at assemblylabel.com until the end of October. Excellent. We'll see you in two weeks.